in this podcast, Jana Weltson talks about the exploding lakes. And so she, she's talking about uh, methane gas in, in the lakes and how it's exploding them. Yeah, that, and that's like uh, climate change, right? Yeah. Yeah, methane's a pretty serious greenhouse gas. You know, um, I, actually, it, I think it might be the permafrost now that I think about it. So it might be, maybe it's methane and the permafrost, like the combination. Well, no, that's a, that's a big deal um, is, is permafrost. It's like this permanently frozen ground. Mm-hmm. And methane gases have been trapped in there for eons or whatever. But now that we're seeing this like average temperature rising, those methane gases are being released into the atmosphere and it's causing like more of a greenhouse effect, right? So it's like the warming temperatures are causing things to happen that are going to create like increasingly warmer temperatures. It's like, what do you call that? Like a snowball effect? Yeah, it's exacerbating it for sure. Oh, dude. Yeah. Uh, man. So, but anyway, back to Jana. I grew up with her actually. Yeah, we all went to the same college. Yep. And then, yeah, we she was my roommate in college. Yeah. For like a year probably. And, uh, you know, it was funny because she was always like, I think she was studying political science. She was like, I'm going to go to law school. And she was always working so hard. And then, you know, then she's in law school in uh, Arizona. And I'm like friends with her on Facebook and I'm seeing her start to kill it. And then all of a sudden she's like involved with the cannabis industry. Here in Alaska. Yeah. I mean, I think she actually started a little bit down in Arizona because they had like some medical stuff. Okay. And then I, I think she just saw the opportunity to come to Alaska with the legalization. When she's just the go-to person here Dude, now. she kills it. If you want to enter the marijuana business and as like a startup business, she's the one to talk to. Yeah. Because she gets it done. And then we also had uh, Whitney Branshaw sitting yep. on this one too. It's kind of like a, um, kind of like, kind of co-host, but kind of co-guest as well, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. You know what we wanted to do is we wanted to have four people because usually it's it's me and you and a guest. And so by adding another person and another microphone, I think it adds to the the dichotomy and the relationship of of the conversation. Yep. And and she, you know, she had been covering weed for a long time for uh Crude Meg exactly. and then at the Anchorage Press. So she, you know, had she has some background in it and brought some stuff to the table that we probably couldn't. Exactly. You know, I mean I mean, sure, you're like a huge pothead and you smoke on the daily, but that doesn't mean you know anything about the industry. <laughs> no, I actually cannot smoke weed. I know. I just get too crazy. Yeah, man. I used to be able to smoke all the time. There was like a period in my 20s when I was like, you know, just snowboard bumming in Tahoe. And I was like, I'm just going to try and do everything stoned. I'd like job interviews, H&R Block to go do my taxes, and I could do it. And it was like- Wait, so you would just go to H&R Block to do your taxes just- High AF. Oh, yeah. Ripped. And it was fun and cool and I didn't care. You had and... fun doing your taxes. Oh, yeah. It was actually maybe this is, fun. Maybe this is the secret to doing taxes. Just get high as hell. But then something happened. I turned 26, 27. It happened not overnight, over a few years. And things changed. I started thinking about my life too much when I got high. I started getting paranoid. It'll do that. And now I can just like kind of smoke at night. That's about it. And occasional road trips. So there's a difference though, right? There's hybrid, indica, and what's the, the third one? Sativa. Sativa, and, and, yeah. You know, and I just read actually that it doesn't really have anything to do with like the composition. It has to do with basically just the effects. So if it's like an uplifting weed, it's going to be a sativa. Mm-hmm. If it's something that makes you more tired, it's going to be an indica. And you know what's funny is I would always go to sativas. Because I was like, well, I want to be able to be functioning, do things, not make me tired. And then I kind of read like, okay, these sativas are actually the ones that can cause you to like get in your head a little bit and think too much and bring on the paranoia. And 
I switched over to Indicas, you know, because now when you go to the store, you get all this information from them about them. And I switched over to the Indica and I was like, actually, I think this is like way more chill. You know, that kind of sounds like a System of a Down song. Bring on the paranoia. Fucking love System of a Down, actually. <laughs> do you really? I really do. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. That's I know. Up, They're dude. so awesome. What's your favorite System of a Down song? It's from their first album, the self-titled one, and it's like track number four. Is it Wake Up? Time to put on a little bit of makeup. No, that's from Toxicity, right? Chop Suey. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Th- that album had a lot of good songs, though, too. What know? album do you love that's kind of embarrassing? Oh, man. What album do I love that's kind of embarrassing? You know, as I've gotten older, there are there are albums that you just, by osmosis, just being around them when you're younger, you know all the lyrics. And I kind of like Blink-182. Oh, you know, what's funny is I love Blink-182, and I was like, should I say that? But I was like, that's not embarrassing you to me. You were about to say it? I was about to say oh, it. Oh, shit, okay. Because I also, I listen to I listen to a gang of different music. Like, I um I listen to a lot of, like, Celtic music. Oh, Celtic music's oh, is, great. Oh, is this... Uh, that's that, No, that's the chaos. Oh, that's our, that's our intern. Our intern just showed up. Crude's first intern. That's right, man. UAA student. I'm really fucking enjoying this, man. Mm-hmm. Like, what we're this is our tenth episode, so we've had we've had ten guests now, and we've got a couple more we've recorded. But what I'm finding is like there is no shortage of interesting Alaskan people out there. I mean, I think we have like three podcasts we're going to record this week. Yeah. And so one thing we've we found out is that like right now we can basically put out one podcast a week because we're doing it outside of our jobs. You know, like I'll edit the audio until like three in the morning send it over to you and then you'll like wake up before your job and like, you know, edit it just to go through it and make sure it's, it's good because you're the editor in chief and then we'll put it out. But it's like we don't have time outside of our jobs. And that's kind of what Patreon is about is to allow us to get more money mm-hmm. so we can produce more of these. Exactly. Because there's so many people. Yeah. It's like, you know, do, are we going to put out 50 podcasts this year mm-hmm. with 50 guests or are we going to put out 150? Exactly. And I mean, I, 150 would be that would be a full time job for us. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep, exactly. But, I mean, that would be pretty badass to be able to talk to 150 different Alaskans and kind of see what they're thinking, see what they're all about. You know, basically tell the real story through this podcast that the reality shows don't. And I think that what we're looking at as far as telling Alaska's story is we're trying to create this portrait of a, of a city or a state. There are all different types of people from Alaska. And what we're doing is we're like, okay, here's one of them. Here's another one. Here's another one over here. There's one right there. He's <laughs> coming right for us. <laughs> Grim, put it, give him a microphone. <laughs> so maybe let's talk about our house of a hundred patrons. It's our goal is to um is to get to a hundred patrons as fast as possible. And um once we do that, we're gonna actually take a road trip with our podcast equipment and do some remote podcasting because there are people that are worth talking to that are not in Anchorage, yeah. you know? So we, we, we're going to go up to Fairbanks. Yeah, we'd like to that, go up to Fairbanks. And we, we have we have a list. We know who we want to interview. Another cool thing, too, is like getting other people to tell us, you know, who would make an interesting guest. Now, we've been doing that through our Instagram, so you can follow us, you know, at Crude Meg on Instagram. And we, you know, through our story, we'll ask questions, we'll do polls. We're getting some good feedback from people. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, even shoot us an email. It's media at gmail.com. You know what I mean? You can shoot us an email. Hey, this guy would be great. I love what you're doing. Here's some feedback. The ultimate way to do this, though, is to become a patron on our Patreon. 
And that's an app, and you can interact with us. You get early content, and it allows you to support us every month for a, a donation of your choice. And that is www.patreon.com slash crude magazine. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And honestly, if you like what you hear, it makes a huge difference for us to be able to keep this going. And, and we're excited to grow it. And I think we should probably give a shout out to our company man. First one is Trina Duber. Hell yeah, Trina. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> and, I love that. And the next one is Seward Brewing Company. Hell yeah, man. Did you guys know there's beer in Seward? Wee wee. Badass. Well, leave us a review on iTunes as well, if you guys can. Anyway, guys, episode number 10 with uh, Jana Weltson and a uh, third co-host, Whitney Branshaw. I hope you enjoy it. We talk about weed in Alaska. Here we go. Mike is hot. Mike's hot. Mike's hot. Is it recording? It's recording. That's what that means, dude. Crude conversations. Listen more than you talk. Go to work. <laughs> wow. Okay, so Jana. Yeah. If we had a joint right now, would you smoke it? Yes. Yeah, we would. You oh, would. do you have it? No, no, we're not smoking oh. here. <laughs> but if we did, you would. You would. Yeah, I would okay. do that. Okay. I wouldn't be... Wouldn't have you any... ever been scary high? No. I mean, I think maybe when I was in high school, I think that sometimes I would get too high. And um, as an adult now, I've really learned to like control being high. So unfortunately, my tolerance is so high that it takes me a lot. Like I can smoke anybody under the table. I don't think there's anybody that's ever beat me at smoke. And I know this surprises you. No, it doesn't really. But it's crazy because as I got older, the more I smoked weed, the more like closer I got to like getting scary high like i used to be able to handle my weed way more in my 20s and now it's like something flipped and it's just like what does scary high look like for you dustin oh man it's like you know your heart's pounding a little bit and then um you're like you're really thinking about things i guess you know the the classic things people say paranoia right but you're thinking about your life a little too much and you're worried so i don't know maybe if i felt better about my my life God damn it. I, I, yeah. I never should just got dark. weed and feel bad about my life. I I'm think, like, wow, thank God for weed. I know. That's what yeah. it's supposed to do. <laughs> the, Instead, like, it becomes this mirror. <laughs> Look at a yourself, ho- you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Look at yourself in the weed mirror. So, <laughs> but I've learned how to harness it, you know? Yeah. And I, I have so, Jana, what does is, what is scary high look like for you? You know, I don't think I've ever been scared by high ever. I think I've had times where it's shocked me where, I, like, if I ate an edible and did like a bunch of bong hits. I all of a sudden thought I was like on a sitcom and I could interact with people and I could literally hear other like like yay <laughs> and, and so this is like, like a '90s sitcom. Like. Yeah, yeah, it was like a you know like a Friends. This happened at the Reno house with you and and Jimmy, and I just thought we were on a sitcom. And then when I realized we weren't, <laughs> it was a reality show. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's cameras everywhere, and you can find it at www. That's not secretshow.com. The realization that I was like in a totally different like mind space than like what was reality. Like this wasn't actually a sitcom show, and there wasn't like 50 people in the audience laughing 50 it was just my house yeah it was just yeah over 100 this wasn't really watched yeah in the, in the physical audience i don't think there's that many people you may there might be so yeah. you were pretty high yeah it was pretty high yeah yeah that was probably the Ed- edibles definitely get you get you way more higher than just smoking weed i think it's different well and you definitely can't take that back 
like I mean you can't take smoking weed back but you, once you eat edibles like you're in it to win it it's you like can acid. take some CBD like oil and it can chill you out no shit yeah it's kind of got a little balancing factor in it really that's what's up what's up medicine woman yeah that's exactly <laughs> what I am so in your job right now can you, can you explain your job a little bit to us can I explain my job? And and has it helped you understand weed better? It's okay. So my job is basically I've got this awesome opportunity to practice this really cool kind of law where you're dealing with all these conflicts, right? Like federal conflicts and state conflicts. And I kind of fell into it in Arizona. Um, because I have a specialization in Indian law and a, a firm saw that as a good fit because of the conflicts of law experience. So I fell in this awesome area of law and then Alaska started legalizing and I was like, well, holy crap, I need to go back and, and do that. And so then I, you know, I haven't had this intimate of a relationship with a community in a really long time, you know, and then I get into this community where it's like super intimate of all these incredibly crazy characters. So my job, I would say my daily life is it just amuses me. So I'm, I I would assume it's amusing other people, but maybe that goes back to that whole, you know, sitcom fantasy <laughs> I have. You're still high. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I am, though, right? I did. I smoked before we That's came Jana's here. That's Jana's secret. She's always high. That's not true. I don't smoke during the day most of the time. But yeah, so my job is basically, you know, it started off as meeting these little venture teams, these people that came together, was, you know, whether it was a mom and a sister and a brother or best friends from high school or three people have never met. Terrible idea. Um, it, these groups of people where you had, you know, somebody that was good at keeping books and somebody that was good at growing weed and somebody that just had a little bit of money. And I had to take these three little pieces and figure out how do we make a venture out of it? How do we actually make a business that's going to work and do something when nobody had run a business before? So I thought, OK, first things first, I got to quit my job. I got to quit my job and I got to start my own firm because if I'm going to teach people how to run a business, I should probably learn how to run a business and just the day to day shit, you know, getting a lease on a space, you know, you putting, getting insurance, all that kind of stuff that you deal with employees, blah, 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 just the general basic shit. So once we kind of got a handle on, okay, who are the players, which change over time, um, we start diving into what is this, what is this business, what's this industry going to look like? And that's, you know, a sausage that's made of many different savory and unsavory pieces. So, Really? So can you explain what, sa what are the savory pieces and what are the unsavory pieces or some examples? Savory pieces, I think, would be, you know, if you're, if you're trying to get a regulation changed or passed, you have to participate in the public process. And so, you know, it's pretty funny because I think the Anchorage Assembly and almost every local government around the state Got a real reality shock and a real, you know, culture infuse when their audience in the in the gala turned from five people to 50, 100. I mean, you talk about senior senior benefits, you talk about schools, you talk about road maintenance. Not many people show up, but you talk so, about So cannabis. what did that do? Did, what, did it institute a little bit more accountability because there's more people in it, more people watching? I think it I think it showed I think one, it got people more involved. So I still know to this day, people, you know, 20, 30 people that regularly go to uh, meetings now, even though the ordinances have been passed and things have been drafted and they're in place and there's nothing active right now. I mean, there's things active, but 
assuming there's not that meeting, they'll still go and they're like, get interested. Oh, the bag, the bag ban. Oh, I'm going to testify about that. Oh, this school needs money. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up and support that. They've just gotten more and more involved. So I think that's what a new business does. So weed's a gateway drug to local politics. Weed is a gateway drug to local community involvement, which I think is what's lacking in a lot of, not just Alaska, but like our country. So we need more weed in this country. We need more micro businesses that aren't dependent on interstate commerce that are dependent on interstate commerce. You know, that's what we need. That, clutch, that's pretty clutch, interesting. Clutch. You know, I've, I've heard you always mention, you always talk about it being mom and pop businesses that you represent. And it's like you see less and less mom and pop and you see more corporations coming in and kind of running like the economic landscape of places. And it's very interesting just kind of talking about you know, the makeup of these businesses and, and what the like implications of that are. Well, so, you know, the reality I think that I've been seeing is I think that was true. Like that corporate takeover was really, really strong. I'd say like 2011, 2013 and before that. But recently we've been seeing this really cool shop local movement. You know, we've been seeing this really cool grassroots movement where you go to Portland and there's so many, not just pop businesses, but so many little businesses, so many little ventures it's like people have gotten sick and bored of the big corporate structures you know they don't want to see box stores and strip malls with the same crap that they're going to see in illinois they want to see something different cody loves walmart okay (laughs) (laughs) i hate walmart dude (laughs) that and olive garden jana where's your favorite place to get high and go eat let us count the ways to be honest with you um for some reason it's bear's tooth and it has nothing to do with the food it has nothing to do with the food. I just like to watch people there. And people are very interesting there. They're very much like watching themselves and like no like seeing who's around. It's like it's like I think it's kind of like a little bit of a hoity toity social mecha. It's fun for me to watch. It makes you think like yeah. you're in a sitcom. It, you know, it really and I I think I'm the I'm the audience in that one. I'm just watching. Oh yeah. nice. <laughs> <laughs> so so what is a um what is a common character that you see at Beartooth? Like a person? Yeah, that you're like, oh, there's one right there. Um, <laughs> Patagonia coat. Uh, um, Patagonia coat. I. Um, it's like you know, there's like I always see city city officials there. They're always there. Um, but there's like a lot of like like you guys, like how you guys look. I, I'm trying to I'm trying to phrase who you oh, are. So. Uh, we look like hipsters. What the fuck yes. Are you yes. Okay. Okay. So maybe I I, I, uh, I wasn't I wasn't going to say that, but I was. You know, it's because I'm wearing a flannel shirt, isn't it? Is it because I well, have is it my grandpa pants? Is it yeah, my and look at your scarf? shoes. Like, hey, these shoes are fucking. Look at all this. <laughs> they're all skate. Well, they're wait skate a minute, shoes. Wait a minute. You guys are assuming I'm saying hipsters is something negative. I'm not saying I go to this place to watch these people. I mean, you're welcome. You're hip, Jenna. Yeah, <laughs> we don't own We're it. We're all kind of hip. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> I I kind of feel like no, no. I, I agree. I think it's cool. Yeah. No, yeah, we, but, shout out to all the hipsters or whatever. I mean, like I'm not. I think like, there's like varying degrees of hipsters. Yeah, there's people who are too much hipsters and they're yeah. trying, and then there's just people who are just kind of a little in tune with style, a little in tune with music. You know what I mean? And they care about things a little bit more than I was cool before. That shit was cool. That's what I'm trying to say. That's why I don't like about <laughs> that. That's a very that's that's like post hipster. I <laughs> know. Yeah. Oh, fuck them though. But that's not because that, I was like I like this shit before. Like why am I? I'm like why am I getting judgy tinned for like 
wearing my black room glasses when I've worn fucking black room glasses for a decade. Again, I, not judging, well, watching. Not you, back, back to weed. So you were working in a law firm in Arizona. That's right. Okay, so what motivated you to leave the stability and security and comforts of that and come up and be an entrepreneurial consultant for an emerging industry? Well, I didn't leave the firm when I came up here. The firm wanted me to go establish an office in California. I said I wanted to go to Alaska. And I said, I'm going with or without you. They said, okay, well, we're coming with you. But then I got up here and I just, uh, I realized they couldn't really give me the support I needed here, even though I love that firm. It was a great firm. I'm still on good terms with with them completely. But, um, and then I needed to learn how to actually run a business. So those two things just made it like a good business decision for me to, to break away. Okay, so you're like, I have to learn how to run a business. What did you do to do that? It just fucking dived <laughs> in. Can we swear? Is that what? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not going to like. Just be natural. Know. Let the expletives yeah. fly. Cock. Balls. That's Whitney. She said those things. <laughs> there we go. Um, <laughs> I knew he brought you in for a reason. Oh, <laughs> we, needed more, we needed more Tourette's. <laughs> just, just uh, so I just dove into it. You know, I just kind of just went heads first. And if I would have known how much work it was going to take. I don't think at the I I don't think I would have made the same decision. So I'm really happy I didn't know how hard it was going to be. So yeah. in those days where you're struggling and it's hard, I mean, how did you get yourself through it? I have a dog. <laughs> I have, Winnie told me not to talk about him too much. He thinks I'm fucking crazy, <laughs> and I'm not. I'm not crazy. He's perfect. Just, what kind of dog is he? Just for the record, I did not say He's, to not talk about the dog. I said please talk about the dog because. I want people to know that's how much said. Arctos means to you. That is exactly what You said, what I don't said. talk Arctos. about, don't be weird about him. That's what you said. You said from an outsider, you look weird. That's what, that's fine. We'll talk about him later. Oh no, I'll tell you about you him. You know what? I'll take oh. the weird off you. I have two cats. That is fucking weird. <laughs> I know, man. Oh, tell, tell her, tell her their names. What's their fucking names? Kitchens and Lucy. Kitchens. Kitchens, yeah. The cat. Like a, like a kitchen? But, but plural. But, but plural. more than one. <laughs> You just see this little cat running around and you're like, you know what you remind me of? Three kitchens. <laughs> no, two. Just the two. Oh, you remind me of my future mansion where I have multiple kitchens. <laughs> kitchens. He can run from kitchen to kitchen. His okay, so now nice. now that I have absorbed the shame, yeah. <laughs> let's well, talk about your dog. Um, he's he's a he's a rescue from Arizona. He's um Great White Swiss German Shepherd, standard schnauzer, um, Golden Retriever and Husky. And he was born without hip sockets. And we have this awesome vet in Alaska, in Anchorage. Um, and I forget his name. But he's great. Come I think on, it's Dr. Edwards. He sounds great. Uh, he's Dr. Edwards. But he's one of only like people that can do the surgery where they take bone grafts and recreate his hip joints. And so that's what we did. It's little ball sockets. So he's this big, beautiful, you know, slightly wobbly hippie guy. Dustin's super into ball sockets. <laughs> Are you, Are you in just in like a normal fetish way? Yeah. Um, all right, moving on from ball oh sockets God, back into face. marijuana. So you're moving super back. Good. You're oh, to but it. during the hip surgery, I would say I didn't feed him any painkillers. I only gave him doggy biscuits with um, RSO oil. <laughs> What's RSO? RSO, Rick Simpson oil. It's like just concentrated crude oil. And it it would help with the pain. You can't give them pain colors when you're doing bone grafts because that inhibits bone growth. So the THC um, and the, you know, the oil in itself, which had tons of CBD, is whole whole plant extract. I've noticed there's a lot, there's like a whole pet market for CBD. Yeah, that's what's up. Is it what's up? That is fucking what's up. And is it actually it, helps him? He, oh, oh, dude, yeah. he cried the first night till like because I didn't have any the first night I was ill prepared 
some, you know, one of my clients was like brought it over the next day and then he didn't cry. Like he had two different surgeries, six months apart. All he did was do RSO oil. Okay. So Jana. Yeah. It's pretty common for people to find themselves moving back to Alaska because they have Mm -hmm. kind of this draw back home and you're from here. Fairbanks, right? right? From Fairbanks, born and raised. So when you came back. And you, you 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 realized that there was kind of this untapped market that you wanted to be a part of. Was there also this like portion of you that's like, I got to move back home? No. Mm-hmm. Um, I left Fairbanks before I even turned 18 because I went to go play school, uh, soccer in Chicago. And uh, I never, ever, ever thought I was going to move back. I mean, honestly, I never thought I was going to move back up until like the day I left. Like I just didn't feel that way but the weird thing is is like when I got back and I started getting this intimate relationship with a community that I've never had before like I've never really been in a place longer than two three years four years I think Phoenix was six years you know been able to go to grocery stores and see people and like know people other than just like you know my diluted circle so when you have to be in a small pond with people and get to know get to know them and stuff I think it's pretty fun um, so I started to really enjoy that. And honestly, I don't think I'll leave. I mean, I'll leave for like vacations and the stuff. I'm not crazy, but like, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to You're here move. now. Yeah. I think I'm do, stay do you remember when that transition happened? Like coming, going from a perspective where you're just like, no, I'm, I'm not going back. And you came back and it was just like, you were rooted. I think it was probably a year in. I think I had feelings of it, probably six months, but it didn't really kind of like hit me until like a year in. I was like, I'm And so what, what was going on a year in? Upon your return, where were you? Where, where was, was everything I? at? You when know you what I mean? Like 2015. Oh, so you came back after legalization? After the vote, yeah. After I came. Vote. I came during 2014 to do like things, you know, in Juneau. But I came back in 2015. So it's 2016. 2016. What's, what's, what's going on? Well, we. Uh, I started the firm in a little storage closet at the boardroom. Um, you know, that shared working space. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't have um, any like regular offices. So we just, I was like, okay, well, I'll just take this little storage room. So I hired my first employee, Val. And Val and I would be in this little storage room and we'd be like meeting with clients and people would come in with like uh, like a trash can or something that you needed a store, like a painting or something. We'd be like, oh, thanks. Like, get out. It's a great place to start because I met some cool people there. But then when I left there and we got our own office suite in a building and had, you know, it all set up. And then I started, you know, seeing my clients' business plans come to life. That's when I kind of really felt like connected. Was that when you were like, holy shit, like this is this is real. This is happening. Yeah, because it was weird to see like all the different all the different business plans and all the different ideas, and then they started to actually work, you, which was crazy. Do you think like it's like this whole thing kind of gave you some purpose in life? Maybe you, you know. <laughs> it I'm, does. I'm not saying you didn't have purpose before, but I mean, it seems like she's got the dog, dude. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, well, you got no, the dog. I think but you're I mean, right. there you are, and you're like, I mean, because when I when I kind of look at this industry popping up, and I look at your role, you seem like this very pivotal piece to the entire industry itself right like you're guiding all these people through the permitting process the regulatory process i mean i've seen you defend businesses in front of the anchorage assembly so i mean so it's got it's got to make you feel i mean you have to feel responsible i yeah and it definitely it definitely gave me i guess purpose is a i felt kind of more awake like i actually was started living my life woke Sorry. Woke. I'm sorry, grammar nazi no 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 no. No, no. this is probably the fourth podcast that he's he's brought this this teenager word up 
Woke it, is a teenager word. Yeah, wait, sorry. is awaken not correct? Is no, it baby, woke? It's a it's a hipster term. Woke? It means you're like enlightened oh, to things. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wait, what? I actually hate All the right. word. I would have learned that if I <laughs> went to Bearskin and just like absorbed more information. It, yeah. there. I also exactly. didn't know that she played soccer in Chicago, so we're going to have to talk about that later because what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? Dude? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yes, I did. I, that It definitely felt like it made me actually like alive like woke and connected with my community and actually people I just am always overwhelmed when I think about holy shit so many people have trusted me enough to give me their hard-earned money to help them through something and trusted me enough that I would be worth that value it like if I think about too high and I'm smoking it'll make me cry because it's such like an honor it's such yeah scary high it's such an honor that somebody would like see you that way and trust you like that and So 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 how do you, how do you deal with that? You know, when you have this like somebody's life life's dream, you know, their entire business, and it feels like it's resting on your shoulders. You know, how do you get through the ups and downs? Well, so you know, one of the things I always tell my clients is, if you don't feel like you're, if you're not fighting through that really low part, and you feel like, oh my god, this is so much harder than I expected, so much less money than I anticipated and so much more work than I ever could have imagined, then you're not doing it right. And so I just tried to tell them, you know, that in my own experiences, which were, you know, I didn't start paying myself, like myself a salary until like last year. I didn't stop working weekends until like last year, every single weekend. And that's what you do when you start a small business. Like you have to do that. It's not the employee's jobs to stay after five. It's your job. It's my job to go to Fairbanks land use hearings and miss my flight and be in a hearing till four in the morning. No shit. That's my job. That's not somebody else's job. Client can go home. I can handle it. But that's the, that's what you have to do when you're a small business owner. Yeah, you don't clock in and you don't clock out. You're just doing what needs to be done. You just got to get it done. And, and how do you learn that? Do you, I mean, in your experience, do you, you're just doing it out of passion and then you kind of reflectively look back on it and you're like, holy shit, that's all the stuff that I had to do because I was persevering through all that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's pioneering, right? I, I And that's the theme that's always kind of like ring with this industry and the state for me is the strongest is, is you pioneer through something. That means it's not easy. No one else has done it before you and you have to pave your own path and you can only do that with good old hard work. I mean, there's no way around it. You can't. And the thing is, I sometimes hard work is scary for people. That's why you don't think about how hard it is. You just start doing it. And you just start going and you go and you go. And then sooner or later, you're like halfway, like, well, you don't know how you're halfway through, but it doesn't really matter because you know it's got to end some point. You've accomplished something. Sooner or later, if you sat down, you've accomplished something. Sometimes you're so far deep in that you can't back out. So we're at this pivotal moment in Alaska history where our generation, millennials, are about to inherit the state. We're becoming the educators, the business owners, the lawmakers. How do you think that will affect the state generally and... Anchorage specifically. So for the state generally, it needs to happen sooner than later because we have some legitimate assholes in our state government that that don't give a fuck. Like they, they just they don't care about anything that's right, wrong or whatever. They're not principled for a purpose. They're principled for their own purpose. And so we're we're really sitting here in a really interesting situation where we've had the baby boomers, you know, the older baby boomers, not as much the younger baby boomers totally kind of fuck us budget-wise and um, environmentally. And now we've got this huge burden that, like, we have to 
persevere and pioneer through it. We have to become edgier and better and create more, um, you know, ways to, to clean up our environment and more ways to make money in, a, in an economy that's, you know, going global, right? So how do, you know, everyday American citizens who were so used to the regular grind or so used to having things provided, subsidized and whatnot, go from that to going to scraping and battling out against India and lower paid workers? And, you know, we're, we're going to have to deal with that. And I don't think it's going to be easy. Like, I think that we are better suited for it than any other generation that we've had before. Do I think it's going to be simple? Fuck no. I think it's going to be really hard. And I think people are going to hit the dirt. Some people are going to really take a dive. But I think overall, we're going to come out with the cream on top and we're going to be better and stronger as a nation as long as we are on the right side of history, which always amazes me because I'm like, I, I see these situations play out and, and it's clear what the right side of history is, but you still have people that just don't get it. You just flabbergasted that you're like, I thought we were... Past. All having the same conversation, and then you realize they're talking about something totally different. Well, and they're talking about positions that are totally archaic. I mean, Senator Kelly, our, one of the Fairbanks senators, he's running against Scott Kawasaki. He was debating with Kat, Scott Kawasaki, and I shit you not, this man said, well, I'm a little skeptical of global warming. I don't think it's happening. This motherfucker lives in Fairbanks where the lakes are blowing up. Lakes How, are blowing up? Yeah, because there's methane gas with yeah, the, the permafrost okay, yep. warming. Yeah, 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 and it's going yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, it, I get it's that. like... How how were you living under a rock with your fucking eyes closed? How did you not see that shit? How do you not fucking see that shit? This is a very difficult place to live and not recognize that climate change like, is real. Have you been to Whittier? Have you not? Like, has anyone been to Whittier and watched Portage Glacier just literally fucking... Yeah. Well, and that's the we same thing with Juno. It's like, like <laughs> they are all in Juno. All these legislatures are in Juno. Yeah. They're watching. But is the argument whether climate change is happening or not, or is their argument whether it's man-made or not? I don't know. He for him specifically, he says he's skeptical of climate change in general. So he's fucking high. There's so that. does you know, and I, I get that. Or maybe um, he needs to be high. That would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Vote for Scott Kawasaki. Kawasaki. <laughs> The highest dude in the room. Yeah. No, he's not high. No, no, no. <laughs> Scott Kawasaki's the one to vote for. You're gonna like. So, do you him. consider okay. yourself um, a lobbyist as well as a lawyer? I'm not technically a registered lobbyist, no. but do I think I do lobbying work? I do, but I try to always keep it within the regulations. And if I need to register, I certainly will. Yep. But yeah, that's part of the job. I mean, lobbying occurs all across the board. You know, you lobby wherever you go, whatever second you get. Most of my work for my clients, I would say is actually, not most, most important work I do for my clients is actually not, I don't bill for it because it's just general conversations with people, you know, when I'm throwing fundraisers for politicians or attending them or seeing people out and just making the natural conversations of, oh, do you know Arctic Herberies, Brian Thorpe's? Yeah, he's developed, he's actually donated $5,000 to some school in our community that, and, and made that big difference. And I just mentioned stuff like that. And that helps change the perspective from, oh, these are just, you know, pot shops dealing weed and whatnot to, oh, these are real economic impacts that are doing positive things with the power. So you're a spokesperson as well. I wouldn't say I'm a spokesperson, but I am just 
a, I don't know how you explain it. It's all about education, dude. Like that's the, yeah. I mean, really education, education. I wouldn't want to say I'm an educator, but I'm more of just a, like a, a informer. Woke, oh, is there a woker You're word? You're woke for the, yeah, no. Yeah, woke. is that? Woke. Woke. Yes. You just did it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, is that a word? <laughs> yeah. Hashtag woker. So, so, woker. so marijuana and the industry that exists in here, legalized marijuana, it's definitely, uh, you know, it's regulated. It's not like any other business, right? So can you kind of describe the regulatory structure of yeah. marijuana in Alaska? So um, you start at the state level, most communities start at the state level, and you have to have an actual right to possess the premises that you want to put the marijuana license in. So that means you either have to buy it, um, get a lease on it, and, you know, probably a landlord is going to make you start paying on it. And then you initiate your your, um, application online, do the application process, takes about six months. And, you know, in throughout that application process, you learn about what are you going to have for security, which right now it's 40 days, 24 hour storage of of surveillance um, footage of, you know, your facility. You got to have alarms on all your doors and windows. You got to comply with all these crazy inventory and regulatory structures over crazy package regulations and labeling regulations. And then, by the way, if you post any advertisement, it's pretty difficult not to get an NOV. Uh, What's an NOV? Notice of violation. Okay. Yeah. So they're pretty over the top on everything, which is understandable at the beginning, but hopefully that will kind of wean back because it's really hard to comply with all these costs. So so it takes about six months to get granted your permit, and most of your clients, most of these businesses take that to kind of learn about the regulatory structure. So who who is in charge of doing the regulating? So that's AMCO. So AMCO is Alcohol Marijuana Control Office. And so there's two different boards in AMCO. There's the Marijuana Control Board, which is, you know, our board. And then there's a Liquor Control Board, which is, you know, for alcohol establishments. They share staff, which means they share a director and they share an enforcement team and they share um, plan reviewer staff. Are, are they appointed or elected? So the, the control board members are all appointed by the governor. Um, for both sets, both sets of boards. And the directors hired by the governor can only be fired by the governor or fired by both boards if they both vote to fire the director. And how often are these these people on this board uh, don't know shit about weed or or they're anti-weed? I know that Whitney a while back wrote an article um, a series of articles. You're talking about more muni, more problems? Yeah, yeah. That was when Anchorage was starting to get up and get off and like everybody in Anchorage was having a lot of trouble. So like Jana's talking about like ha- uh, possessing the space that you can grow or cultivate or extract whatever you're going to do. Um, in Anchorage, we ran into a lot of problems with building codes. So Title 21, intimately familiar with that. A lot of Anchorage businesses are. Could I mean, you explain Title 21? I'm going to try to explain it and Jana can correct me if I'm all the way wrong. But Title 21 is a building code that like let's say like a laundromat came and they wanted to like do the thing right so here's laundromat yay laundromat like laundromat gets to do the thing but when the weed industry comes in and you have people that are taking an incredibly extra eye and we're talking about overregulation um they're like oh well shit this uh this door over here isn't up to code well uh it hasn't been up to code for the last three businesses that have been here we don't give a shit you fix it so so what she's talking about <laughs> is is an aspect of Title 21, which is a land use code, right? So what the aspect that she's talking about is called the change of use permit. Mm-hmm. So most businesses, so say if you had a t-shirt shop, right? And it mo- and the t-shirt shop moved out and in moved a shoe shop, right? They wouldn't have to really do anything with the muni. The muni wouldn't have to come and inspect or anything like that, right? Okay, but when you're a marijuana company and you want to go into that t-shirt shop, you have to file what's called a change of use permit. Yeah. And that change of use permit includes... 
uh, you know, fire, electrical, land use and zoning, all this, all this stuff. So we've had to do crazy, crazy things to meet these codes that my clients have put in. Like say or millions. I mean, I've had build outs that were budgeted for 500 go to a million. Let me ask you a question here. Do you think that even though this is like it adds a lot of cost, it adds a lot of work, a lot of trouble for this upstart industry. Do you think given the um, the political divisiveness about the emergence of this industry that it could be a good thing by forcing people to really look at what they're doing and manage this industry and not letting anybody in? Do you think that helps this thing grow well, nationally? absolutely it does. I mean, so when you're putting that much time, effort, money and thought into a project, it, you're going to get a better result. You know, and that's the thing I'm so proud about this industry is it's got an awesome reputation so far. It's got a killer reputation. Yeah, there's been a couple little blemishes, but it's been pretty fucking killer. So, you know, that's what just shows what amazing business, you know, entrepreneurs that they are. They pioneered into this and and, and paved their own way and they built something really beautiful. And so, yes, it it helps. But you know what doesn't help is being discriminated against because of the type of business you're in. You yeah. know, not being able to use the normal business functions that you're in. Fuck. I had a bank recently tell me that they had to do an FBI background check on me because I was looking at buying a commercial building. You know, I said, fuck you. Would you do that to any other lawyer in town? A commercial no. uh, building for we? For my, no, no. For, oh, for my you. office. Yeah. Oh, just wow. Office yeah. Yeah. And just because of just what because you Just because of my Because maybe you're type. doing something shady or like. No, just because of, they, they think I'm just going to get paid in just straight weed money. Well, guess what? The municipality well, Because does. of your affiliation yeah, with the weed the, industry. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so I said, are you going to ask the same thing of engineers, architects, electricians? Fuck you. I'm not taking my business here. Did you tell the bank, fuck you? I said it in an email without the fuck you. Because that's yeah. rude. Because no, I don't no. want them to get a bad impression of the industry. It's like a gentle reminder. Yeah. Totally. yeah. yeah. We yeah. also have really incredibly uh, prohibitive financial structure here in the state. Like you can't have any outside. Yeah. You can't have any There's outside money. on that. So yeah. The, 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 the stupid what do, you, what do you mean you can't have outside money? You are not supposed to have. You mind if I get this? No. Okay. Get it, babe. You are not We're supposed good. to have um, anybody that, from the outside the state of Alaska that is um, owns a marijuana interest. And it's not just outside the state of Alaska, it's they have to be a permanent fund, dividend, uh, qualified resident of the state of Alaska. So my argument to the control mm-hmm. board was, guys, let's let in 12, 12.5% ownership. I mean, we haven't done this here commercially in this state. So we're we're posed to piss away a lot of our own hard-earned local money and our 401 accounts and mortgages on homes and all this bullshit that's totally unavoidable if we just let a minor interest come in and, and help fund these things. Let's piss away somebody else's money, right? Think think about, plus, plus think about what they're bringing in. You know, you have Colorado, you have Oregon, right. places where this industry is kind of established and people have kind of learned what works, what doesn't. Can they bring some of that knowledge no, I'm, I'm sorry. Takes, I'm going to check in on that. I'm sorry. Go for the, it. The thing is, is like we are never going to be like Washington, Colorado, California. We are never going to fucking be like that. Alaska is not going to be like that. We can learn from their mistakes and like we can gain knowledge off of them. And people always ask me all the time. They're like, I don't get it. Like legal weed has been around in Alaska since 1975. And I'm like, well, actually, I mean, kind of. Personal and then, possession. Well, right. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. you go to medical, which was 1998. And we actually did have provisions written into the initial ballot measure that Frank Burkowski Sr., thanks, dude, wrote out took out. So that's when people have to be their own caregivers. We have medical marijuana in the state of Alaska, but so we expect very sick people or people that rely on marijuana as medicine. And, and so what's going to make us different than the other places? Then like, because you said 
we're not going to be like Colorado or Oregon. We didn't have the infrastructure. That's the thing is we didn't have anything to like. So you go to Washington, um, Oregon, for example, in their ballot measures, there was a date where their dispensaries just flipped on for everybody. Bam. Everybody can come in with an ID. You didn't need a card anymore. Because so they, had, they that, had medical stores before. Right. They had, a dis- they had dispensaries. So like in our state, our medical laws, you have to grow your own or you have to designate a caregiver. So we never had a place where people could actually go and purchase marijuana or, you know, do that thing. So we had to build this infrastructure completely from the ground up. And that's what Jana's talking about, the perseverance that comes along with that. I mean, like, you can't prepare people for, like, the work that that is. And also, we're very small. What is our population? 700,000 now? 700 fucking thousand people in the whole state. But that's why I think it's going to be better than in Colorado and Washington. Oh, yeah, no, I'm not saying it's worse. What I'm saying is we're never going to be the same as them. It's not going to, like, it's... the you, you weren't saying that we were we were striving to be like them and then falling short. It's just we're this yeah, is a different locality different. and we're not going to be like them. Just that's inevitably. just Alaska. Yeah, like, yeah. No matter what we do, yeah. like we're not. We are different. We're set apart from them. You know what I mean? Like it. It just it is what it is. Um, and like Jana talking about the players in the industry. I mean, you meet some of these people and you're like, holy shit. <laughs> Maybe you know, because I think that's interesting. Um, I, I really like that that how Alaska is not going to be like these other these other people, and I think that cultivation probably has a lot to do with it too. Because we have to, you know, we don't we can't do outdoor grow all year long. You know, we have mm-hmm. like three months, so it's going to be hydroponics, right? Right. For the most part, um, living soil, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, you you guys know more about this than I do, but what are the what are the differences that that we are going to have to overcome in order to have a sustainable weed business in Alaska. One, I think the weed's going to be better here than in lower 48. And some people won't like me for this statement because I like indoor weed better than outdoor weed. Sorry. A lot of of people do actually. I know, but but I get it. I get it. I get it. I like outdoor weed too. Everybody chill out. Um, but I do like indoor weed, you know? And so I think that... Yeah, listeners, chill out. Chill fuck out, man. She so, likes it all. Yeah, just everybody calm down. Um, and I think that, you know, so we're going to have this like higher, well, okay, whatever different quality of weed than all the, all the states below us are going to go all outdoor because it makes sense. It makes sense from a business perspective. It makes sense from an environment perspective. And it makes economic sense to go outside grow outside that makes sense um we won't be able to do that so we're just gonna have better weed by nature or and the then there are some gangster ass motherfuckers that are actually growing some really good outdoor weed dude there are like and, Grayland Gondra is fucking killing it Rosie Creek Farms you know they're killing it there's some good outdoor is weed is Rosie Creek Farms from Fairbanks yeah right. oh sick yeah. that's right by where I grew up that's like where we went to like uh field trips Oh, so really? now they got oh. strawberries, pa, and uh, tomatoes. So what's that? <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's yeah. sick. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. That guy is super cool. Mike, Mike is the best. God, I'm just thinking back to the Amco hearing where uh, they were. He was getting the NOV for the fucking the uh, gnome dome that collapsed under the snow. They served Mike with 16 <sighs> NOVs the day before I needed to get something through the control board. And who's Mike? Mike is the owner of Rosie Creek Farms. He's like the nicest person you'll ever meet. Okay. He's just a different farm, and Amco's not used to him. Like, they don't understand the outdoor farm because he's like one of the only ones around. So they hit him with 16 NOVs spanning a year and a half back. Like, no shit. And uh, it was pretty traumatic. But we got through it. You know, so going off of that, what does a bad scenario in your line of work look like? 
Uh, I just went through one. I'm not going <laughs> to name names. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's a, it's a, here's the deal. People are, everybody's normal, right? Everybody makes mistakes. That's normal human fucking behavior. People make mistakes. People have bad lapses and judgments. People get bad advice. You know, they do. And then they, then there's consequences. And unfortunately, in this industry, you can make a mistake and have the best of intentions, but the, the consequences will still assume you have the worst. That's just what, and that goes back to what Dustin was saying earlier about protecting this, you know, and keeping it crystal clear and, and clean so that the feds don't have a reason to come in and yank it all apart, which I get. But then the, the also, the, the, the attitude in the public needs to change. It needs to be like, okay, let's not make mountains out of molehills every time there's, you know, a little, you know, dumpster, you know, issue or a little trash disposal problem. Because when we do that, we send a message to the federal government that says, hey, federal government, we can't keep our shit together. We're making this like this, this making this sound so awful and so horrible and so nasty and dirty that it's going to cause, you know, attention. And why don't we say as a community, wow, we like our million and a half in taxes and revenue every month, you know, maybe million and a half is a little high. It's more like a million. Uh, we like the economical impacts of having, you know, 1500 new jobs in a market that was fucking stagnant and draining because the oil went down. So it's like, what's up? So maybe if our community would just get a little bit more hip to the positives that we're bringing to the table and not want to slash, and this is the industry too, you know, divide from within is, is is the dumbest thing you can do. You know, slash and burn each other just for simple mistakes that otherwise wouldn't have been, an, you know, an issue is just a simple mistake and, and it should be taken that way. That's the real protection for the industry, not the other way around. So, you know, looking at how we, how we um, interact with the federal government, I know that, you know, in the past, there was there was lots of raids on medical biz, on businesses, but it seems since states started doing legalization, that you know they've kind of let us do our thing. And I know we're always kind of like, are they gonna step in? But can you explain kind of right now the present relationship with the federal government? Right now, it's pretty good. I um I actually met with Brian Schroeder, who's the federal prosecutor for our state, right? The lead yeah. guy. Um, who would be in charge of federal. Yeah, he yeah. would be the one to do it. And so he asked me, you know, invited me to come to his office, you know, and I told my paralegal Val, I said, <laughs> hey, Val, if I'm not back by noon, you know, you know, call Jason, bring some money over, get me your trainer, you know, because I'm probably so kinda, getting arrested. So you're nervous about this. Meeting. I was a little nervous. I mean, you walk into a federal building to meet the federal, at least a cop, you know, federal, federal yeah, prosecutor. Yeah. To talk about your illegal hundred plus clients, your racketeering. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm just thinking hit with She's a Rico. The like, is, that what, is that what you're thinking, Rico? Fuck yeah. Yeah, dude. Dude, that's like, yeah, the lawyers are the legal. number one. If, if the if anybody wants to t- slow down this industry, they go and they've done it before. They go straight to the lawyer that's leading the charge. That's what they do. They go straight to them. They take away all your tools that you can operate with. They take away your CPA. They take away your lawyer. They hit your landlord. Sooner enough, they go after your engineering team. It just depends what phase you're in. That's what Rico's all about. And that has happened. So I walk into this thing thinking that there's a slight chance that I might not walk out totally uh, not in handcuffs. But no, he was pretty cool. And he just wanted to learn more about the businesses and about the regulatory system. Um, and I, you know, I, and he said, you have any questions for me? And I said, you know, I got to ask you, you know, I got a lot of families that are depending on this, this industry. And I got a lot of families that have built businesses and put a lot of money in and, and it would be heartbreaking to see that torn apart. Are we at risk of federal intervention? And he said to me, you would get 
at least a 90 days heads up. And that's not an official thing, but it's like, I, and that made me feel like, okay, like they're not being completely psychotic over there. Like, you know, that's a reasonable thing if they're going to take action to say, hey, you got 90 days, wrap up. Otherwise, we'll bring charges, you know. Well, I feel like they're fighting public opinion. You know, yeah. if you look at like this, the Sessions regime, we could call it, right? But here's the flip side about federal legalization. I mean, every you know, a lot of people go, oh, I can't wait for it to be federally legalized. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, fucking why? Like, I don't want people to go to jail anymore. I like agree with you guys. But like, get it. Federal regulation means what's up, Walmart? What's yeah. up, Coca-Cola? What's up, Marlboro? Like, that's scary unimaginable competition. So but it's going to happen eventually. It's going to happen eventually. But here's what I hope happens. Here's what I hope happens. I hope, and I think I have, a, you know, I have, a, I have a theory about this, that there's going to be enough private money going into these small businesses where somebody, and I've been thinking about it, and I know I have a lot of colleagues across America that are thinking about it. How do we protect the value of these small businesses, the values of these small licenses without negatively implicating the commerce cause without violating the internet like interstate, interstate commerce. commerce cause right because that's the reason right that's the reason you can't say hey uh when it goes federally legal like right now our system is violating the constitution right now because it's a it's a violation of the federal commerce clause right because Why? you should be because you can't restrict other 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 citizens within the united states of america from doing business in your state you can't do that oh okay that is the interstate commerce call you can't restrict interstate commerce we're doing so, it so why isn't why isn't this a bigger deal if, they, if they're openly who's breaking gonna pay the Constitution? somebody to do this who's gonna yeah. pay somebody to bring the suit i'm fucking not gonna do it for well, because free you bring, <laughs> yeah you know what i mean what's up aclu you know is, is it's like yeah okay it's in violation of the interstate commerce clause but it's a black market I, yeah exactly but it's also like in violation of federal so that's the argument right so that's you're the question like, eh, we and don't want to really fight and that's the federal why, feds at all right now because they're not fighting us but that's well, why it's not a slam dunk right there you yeah because they can just be like okay fuck you well, you're because done. the federal judge can be like i don't have jurisdiction and you can't take it to state court yeah that's true you because I mean? it's like yeah, it's a federal jurisdiction I can't, I can't regulate on commerce that's not legal Right. Well, a rule on commerce, and, and that's the question. That that's the that's the question. So what's what's it going to be? I mean, is it going to be like uh, you know, once some red states start passing legalization, you know, some of the more Republican conservative states, is it going to be after Canada proves national legalization? I mean, what's going to be that tipping point when the USA? Because we know it's coming. Well, you like I said, we well, you know would be really cool is if states, if if banks would get better about doing business with us, mm -hmm. that if it stayed federally legal but not criminal. And it just stayed as it is. That would be awesome. You, there, there's so many things like that. Like, that's why I'm like, why isn't anybody doing anything about it? Well, I'll tell you why. Because you have to pick your fucking battles when you're dealing with this bullshit. Because you, like, you have to allocate your, <laughs> number one, your energy. Like, you as a person, like, you throw so much of yourself into it. You have to decide, okay, what battle am I going to fight? It's like the whole, like, where are we going to get on-state consumption? Where are taxes going to get better? And what I always tell people is, like, we're working on it. Um, but right now, I think the focus is, you know, continuing to build and sustain the businesses that are successful. Fuck that. I'm thinking about taxes. Taxes need well, to change big no, time. No, I agree. But I'm just saying, like, yeah. you can't do it overnight. No, yeah. You, you know can't that. do it overnight. We've been doing the thing for years now. Like, hey, 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 hey. And yeah, taxes are Isn't, completely Aren't the taxes fucked, the, the only thing that's keeping, well, I wouldn't say the only thing that's keeping it, but like. It's like that's always the positive news is like look at the tax revenue that came. Yeah, I mean that's like yeah, great news. Look at the tax revenue and the jobs. But to answer your question, when's it going to go federally legal? It's going to go federally legal. Um, I think here's my, here's my, here's my estimate. 
I don't think Trump's going to do it this first term. I think if he gets elected, we probably won't see it till his third year. Um, I think if he doesn't get elected, we're going to see a Democrat come in and it's going to legalize really quickly. So I think it's going to be between two and, and so you think you think the Congress is prepped for it. They're just waiting for the executive. I do, but I really hope that they are smart about not destroying small businesses because that would send states into well, that, a mini recession. Uh, they're going to destroy the small businesses. Yeah. Well, Let's we're going to protect them. As so, best so what we are can. these opponents yeah. of the industry saying? Like, what is their argument? It's, it's mainly like religious. What people, is right? their I'm sorry, the, the opponents is their argument of the I mean, oh what the, the Republicans. fuck is wrong with them? <laughs> oh, well, you know, Jeff know. Sessions says, um, you know, people that deal pot should get the death penalty and. Um, it's a gateway to opiates, which is like so hilarious. It's actually like a gateway away from them. Yeah, from it totally is. A, well, I mean, studies. from our own experience, it's definitely a gateway drug away from opiates. You know what I mean? I mean, I was of the age where people were doing painkillers all the time. And I'll be honest with you. You know, I did a little bout myself and felt how hard it was to get out and finally did. But it, honestly, it was because of weed. And it was like a like, you know, probably like a two month period. But like I had that experience and it definitely helped, you know. You mean sometimes people that like have, have chronic pain or have dealt with like they've been yeah. to sleep, like PTSD, those kinds of things, like kids with seizures, kids with seizures, like their children, even getting high, yeah. yeah. Um, and you hear these like this what we call anecdotal evidence, like we you know stories, right? But like I can't tell you how many times I've been in tears, like watching somebody like recant, like I had a soldier who could not remember the last time that he had slept through the night totally square, totally straight-laced, blah, blah, blah. One of his battle buddies hit me up, and he's like, hey, I think you should get my bud some weed. And I'm like, oh, I can get him some fucking weed, blah, 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 do the thing. <laughs> and he called me the next morning, and he was like, Whitney, I haven't, like, I haven't slept through the night, number one, in 12 years. Like, number two, I don't, like... It just was such a weird, like, the shift. And it was so, this, like, super square person has no idea what they're doing, but it's willing to try anything for relief at that point. Like, those stories are the ones that, like, still get me. So you know? so the people that are against it, are they, is it politically or is it religiously? Well, there's or... the pharmaceutical lobbyists. I mean, that's oh, there's yeah. that one as well. Yeah, yeah, for I mean, sure. Pharma does they not don't, want this to happen. Well, yeah. they don't want, I mean, think about an option away from somas and, you know. You it would eliminate it. so many drugs. It would, it would reduce the use of Adderall, you know, every painkiller imaginable. Um, I mean, it's not going to be. Anti-anxiety meds. I mean, yeah. It inflammation. Puts a big, yeah. You it know. basically where they're trying to get more people hooked in using their stuff because they're running it as a business, you know, capitalist business. This takes people away takes from away. it. Yeah, so they're going to fight that no matter yeah. what, whether it's right or wrong, because their number one priority is to fight for their business. I think that you can extrapolate that and apply it to, I mean, so many different sects of of what is happening right now in the economy and life you know you have these old curmudgeons that are just sticking to the old ways yeah. and and doing well enough to keep their jobs there there are no morals in capitalism well there i don't are. i don't think that's true i think that there can be and that there will be for people that are socially conscious but i mean if you see oil companies Woke. focusing on deregulating like the like they're deregulating how much x or hexane glass they can release or whatever into the environment 
and it's they getting me but then like, but at the same time they see what's going on to the environment and you, you can do that, that blindly glass? I mean you know I think I'm saying it wrong gas. like gas like the you know the harmful green gas like, don't that monitor this this is fine let us do the thing you, you, you haven't you guys heard about this no, Trump, we haven't. Trump Trump just deregulated well, he deregulates something every day environmentally well this is this is this is to allow oil companies to release more greenhouse gases into the air yeah. and it's like holy shit how do you okay that when the reality is showing us that we're literally killing ourselves because it saves them so much money in like not having to capture those or filter those gases and so, so that's how they justify it i right? guess that that's yeah. my question then is, yeah. is so know, that right yes yeah, so there is no morals for these people for these people not for all of the capitalists our generation possibly is it yeah do you think that well i mean i i, I feel like i personally know the answer to this just for me but i mean are we more aware of our impact i think we are i think we are and here's what i think is going to happen if we don't change drastically as a as a movement as a people as a entire being trying to save the thing that we live on right our earth um and try to try to preserve our 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 dignity as people as individuals and be able to make choices for ourselves we have to make a substantial shift, right? Which we're, which we're kind of seeing. And if we don't see that, I think we will go extinct, to be honest with you. I know it sounds it crazy. It has to be such a monumental but I think we shift are. at this point. I, I don't just, think I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen because I don't... Here, here's what... Stop thinking about it like that. That's I'm the sorry. problem. You're that's, being defeatist. That's, no, but what it is, is it's like, it's like, I'm glad I didn't know how hard it was to start my business because I didn't think about it. Don't think about it. Because once we start doing it, the change will get easier. That's true. And the success will fuel us. And the positive changes yeah. will make us stronger and make us want to do the more. Small and we'll get, will lead to bigger Yeah, victories. and we'll get more yeah. energy to do it. That's what your battery's all about inside. That's what I think yeah. it's about. I'm always like... Is that... Explain this battery that you have that you're charging up. Is, sounds, is this a thing? It sounds amazing. It's my, what's that? Whitney, you don't want me to talk about? No, no, no. I want you to talk about the battery. <laughs> I'm just reflecting. It's just my body cell that I think about. And it gets it gets energy from certain things, like energy for my friends. A big part is for my dog, for my boyfriend, for my family. It's like you get energy from different things and different accomplishments give you more and different things that you care about. You so know. do you have levels? I do. Yeah, totally. I'm Where's like right here. Where's your battery at right now? Right here. Right I'm like there? right here. You yeah. Should, she's pointing to her sternum. And I don't yeah. know where that is on her battery, but I'm going to say it's about up, three quarters. Up here is my battery. Like all the way. Okay. Oh, okay. It's like half. Okay. Okay. It's like half. No, this is making me, juicing me up, juicing me up. I'm getting higher I, now. I know. Oh, yeah. I know. I can, I can tell. All right. So you're a lawyer. You went I to law school. I think so. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, today, some interesting things happened. You know, we're talking about- Like Kavanaugh? Uh, yeah, exactly. But you know, more- the perspective of of a female who went to law school and kind of what's going on with these um you can call it the me too movement but basically allegations of sexual assault yeah you know how how, how do you handle them you know what i mean it's like what's your perspective on this oh like if somebody makes an allegation against me well, no, 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 no. So, no just if I see an, just, an allegation. Ju- yeah, okay, so just, here's- in, just in general, right? Because the, the argument is, well, these are 30 years old and you can't remember and stuff. But at the same time, there's, there's it's a of- hard. Oh, here's a line for me. So and I think that, again, this might like upset some some people, but it's hard for me because at, at one side, I do feel like, all right, you know, if you're going for a Supreme Court, you know, justice position, it's not a trial. It is about your character. It's a fucking job interview. And if people are making allegations about you, you know, doing whatever, you know, your your, your employer, the American people, the public, are going to take that in consideration. So there's that part, right? Then there's the other part where, well, 30 fucking five years ago, man, that's like... 
that's a hell of a weight for a sucker punch. You know what I mean? And at that point, it is a sucker punch. You know, it's like, I get it, though. I get why she why she did it uh, and brought it to everybody's attention. But it's an it's you know what I hope we all learn from this? I think that she's right to bring this claim now. And I think that everybody that has done the Me Too movement is right to do it now. I think it's dependent on us women now. We have to not continue this bad cycle, though, of being quiet when it happens. We do need to start speaking out. And this should be an example to us now, seeing what these women have to go through to get their point across. Because, you know, Christy Ford, her her life is going to change from now. And it's not going to be for the better. It, you know, she's going to have challenges. And just like all of these other women have had. And so, you know, they set the example. Well, isn't, isn't it the fact that you're going to have challenges? Isn't that what's stopping them? That's what's stopping like, them. Is life going to just be easier if I but, don't say anything? But that's I don't why know if it's, it will. I don't know if necessarily, no. it's, it's easier. I think that in the case of like Harvey Weinstein, those people, those women, would have been blackballed from yeah. an industry that they're they're trying to eke their way up. You know, I think that it, right now it, it, it's come to this fever pitch where now is the time. That that women in those shitty situations need to say stuff because people so, are listening. But, but, but we shouldn't make sacrifice? it. A, but we shouldn't make it a fad. So what I'm saying is, okay, now that we've opened Pandora's box and women are started to do this and started to come out, and let's not stop doing that. Let's start saying shit when it actually happens. Let's start fighting back at the first fucking go. Because I think, why would you give somebody the power over your life thirty years later, living with that pain that somebody caused you harm and never ever confronting it and never ever you know making them you know come to reality and let them like continue their lives and who knows they're going to do that to other people like now we need to start actually calling it out when it happens i was always raised to stand up and to speak up that's how i raised ophelia like i won't tell her any different your daughter yes my daughter like you always stand up like if, if there's some kind of injustice like there's a difference between like oh no i'm whining i'm tattling blah blah but if you see somebody being mistreated, if you're safe, you go help them. If you're being mistreated and you are concerned about yourself, go find help. It's the, do, do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. And you will reach for that. And that's, I mean, and sometimes you don't always get it. You, you know, you the, know? the only thing that I think um, might be, that I think I'm kind of struggling with is that to say that some of these women should have should have spoken up when it was happening is to is to not consider the time in which it was happening and i'm not saying that that was right but i think that they were having these inner these inner struggles right they were thinking about this should we should we speak up and right now i think that we have the privilege being in this right now right. this moment to be like of course they should have spoken out but that's that's to negate the time in which it well, happened but that's actually exactly what i said was that mm-hmm. i think that they opened up the door okay. to allow yeah, us me- women now to be able to talk the, and the to me speak too back. movement has has yeah. hopefully created an environment where we can, where, where we can, yep, where and we that's can. and that's my point is like now we don't have an excuse to hold it in tight because right now we have the opportunity to pave this little trail into a highway and actually like settle ourselves in and and speak up when things have been done wrong. They didn't have that voice. They fought to give us that voice, and so we can't. Yeah, and those stop. Gr- we, can't, we can't. We can't They're still. They're still trying to fight it though. I mean, oh yeah, but those? I mean, they they uh, die off. Like honestly, I, know, they're I mean, they look, they look all off. That's the big so. thing we're waiting Hades for. Hades is waiting. The Reapers coming. You know, you know, you know <laughs> something that I always think of in these types of situations that I'm I'm really happy that we can all sit here and we're we're all agreeing. Like this is a very like kind of copacetic conversation conversation. Um, and it makes me in this moments like this, it makes me hopeful 
for like our kids when we all have kids yeah. you know it's like we can we can imbue this knowledge and this like you know that this this accepting nature and this uh this kind of fight against injustice because we're we're seeing so much of it right now uh dust and i talk about this type of stuff constantly where we're like how do we how do we explain say to younger younger people kids that this person just lied and no one seems to care and they're getting away with it and and it's on such a grand scale right now mm-hmm. where it's like how do you tell a kid that shit's wrong well you, you i mean you that's exactly what you do you don't make excuses for it. it's it's that's the bad guy in the fairy tale that's the guy on the wrong side of history is what i would do yeah yeah and i feel like look at our age right now we're all like 30 basically right so we're caught right in between kids and people who are like running the strings of our world. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we're in this we're in this interesting place right now and I think we can provide some unique perspective. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. You just keep it real. I mean, that's all you can do. You, you know what I mean? Like I've always been very like just frank and open with Ophelia. Do I think that I've been probably too open or too legit with her? Sure. But she knows what's up and like yeah. she's paying attention to us and she knows what's right and what's wrong, like the weed stuff. You, you know what I mean? Like she, I've raised her in a culture where like weed isn't scary. Like this is, and to see with my own eyes, like the the first like shift where it's like, this isn't scary. That's something that you do when you're an adult and you can make your own decisions. Marijuana is medicine. It can be used recreationally as well. You, you know, like she knows what's up. You know, and yeah. she she actually talked some shit and talked back at school when they were trying to give her the, you know, you know propaganda. That's like. funny because yeah, awesome. when, when I grew up, it's like there was, weed, there was weed in my house, but it was like this secret thing. You know what I right. mean? And so it's like here you are, you're watching these people who kind of rule over you and they're using it, yet it's this secret thing. They tell you it's bad and that messes with you. My dad always told me it was Indian tobacco and that it wasn't bad. And we had a garden and he was – my parents were always super honest and super legit with me. Um, my dad said it was his specialty for working out the road. You know, the, like, oh, he must really? have been high when he said well, that. Well, no, and then I remember literally. I remember when it all clicked in my head when I was nineteen. I was like, "That was the fucking smell," and it oh, yeah, took that long. Smell, yeah. You know, it was like the lights <laughs> under our parents' doors. It was like the shit that they would. My dad always would like smoke bong hits in his bathrobe on the porch, and like if I woke up and came out, he'd be like, "Ooh," and like in his bathrobe, and, like. I'm cleaning. I'm cleaning. Dad, what's up, dude? Quit fucking freaking out. You know, or I'd come into his room and he'd be sitting by the window. You know, like, I don't have any parent friends that are just, like, blowing bong hits in the living room or, like, dabbing it out in front of their kids. Now, I do know people like that. I don't choose to live my life like that. Well, Well, it's the same thing. You don't, like, chug beers, really. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. The scariest thing I saw Pot do as a kid, and this is what traumatized me and made me want to be a lawyer, is my best friend's family got torn apart because they were a weed grower, and they lived at the bottom of Estradome, where I live. At the top of Estradome, we were driving down to school, and there's all these cops there, and I'm seeing my my best friend, who's like six years old, seven years old, getting torn away, physically torn away from her parents. Mm -hmm. Like they were bad parents because they were involved with marijuana. Because they were involved with With marijuana. And then then her dad spent 15 years in jail. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. One last question for you. Um, 
you know, I guess a couple of years ago you sponsored Tailgate, and I remember one thing, and I appreciate that, by the way, but I remember one thing you said to me was that the reason I'm doing this is because I want to create, help create a sustainable Alaska. So in your eyes, what does a sustainable Alaska look like? So a sustainable Alaska looks like independently owned businesses that aren't reliant on the oil extract business because that's not a sustainable model and it's about having employees that are on their on the ground and spending their hard-earned wages in our community so guess what that is folks that's small businesses to the t like the whole reason we had the middle class and the strong middle class which made us a fucking superpower is because of small businesses small to mid-sized businesses not corporations think about it so do you think once you get this uh, whole weed thing going you might have some aspirations beyond that to keep small businesses growing in alaska do you have any other sectors you can see growing? Oh, um, yeah, definitely the microbreweries and the distilleries. Seaweed. Seaweed's going to be fucking killer. Um, um, mussels are going to be killer, too. It's like we have this amazing shoreline that's unpolluted. And guess what? <laughs> Thanks to, like, everything that's been going on, we're going to be one of the only ones with clean sea, like, coasts. So seaweed's going to be huge. Mussels going to be huge. Gooey ducks, which my dad has been working on for three years. What? So. Gooey ducks. They look like huge horse penises. Wait, you know you, what this is. Can you explain is. this? You know what this is? That, I no? don't. Know. It's so, um, it's a giant clam, and it looks like a horse's penis. So. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so you grow them. My dad's I got a little Dustin has a, farm. one of those in his <laughs> I have one dresser. I have really? one right now. Yeah. <laughs> I have one in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh my god, I can see it. Of, <laughs> fucking dying. I can't even look over it. <laughs> Don't look, trust me. <laughs> no. Don't stare right at it. That's that's awesome. Jana, um, you're doing great things for this this new emerging industry and I'm sure it's gotta be a struggle. So um it thank you for coming here and kind of filling us in on what, what's going on. Yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely my to... pleasure. And it's more fun than um it looks. And it looks pretty fun, I think. So it's Oh really dude, fun. it totally looks fun. Other than when you go into that FBI building. Oh, and then yeah, he the told me when I was walking out, he was like Hey, don't be surprised if there's a bunch of people out there. I was like, what's that? He's like, I'm just joking. Like, I was, <laughs> right. I was like, oh, man, Brian, oh, Brian. Yeah, he did. Cause so you went to the FBI building, right? That's a, no. yeah, the big federal yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. The one yeah. So so I went into the uh, the communications managers because uh, I, I did this article a while back where they let me interview um, this officer. And in the woman's office, she has an X-Files poster. Uh-huh. And I walked in and I was like, what the fuck? I was like, yes. Yes. That's <laughs> yes. like one of my favorite shows of all time. And Mulder and Scully are and, part of the FBI. And so she, did she confirm there's aliens? Well. Because you know there is. doesn't I've, make any sense otherwise. Oh, no. Totally. There's aliens for sure. I think they're here already. Yeah. They're chilling. Mm. You they're need busy. to have a conspiracy theory podcast, I think. <laughs> Should we? Well, I That's think like Jana's the host. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jana's conspiracy theories. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Jana. Thank you. I love you, Jana. You can support local grassroots journalism at patreon.com slash crude magazine. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's a platform that makes it easy for you to support content that matters to our community for as little as $1 a month. Crude Conversations is written, hosted, and produced by Cody Liska and Dustin H. James for Crude Magazine. Intro music was produced by Alcoda Beats.